Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. You've been searching in the dark, your sweat soaking through the floor. Then came Fisson, who's starting to work home fairly. 150 to go. Taranabar getting tight. Gorky Park, 10 ever. And now Fisson, he's swapping them the favourite. Fisson raced to Gorky Park and Dan ever and comes away and Fisson scores. But it's all Typhoon Tracy. Look at her go. Typhoon Tracy makes a mess of them. Scored by So you think at the 200 metres, claims the lead, strides away from Desperado. Uh, further back is shootout, but just have a look at this. It's just beautiful to watch. So you think, wins by about three on the line. Star Witness was the leader, a length and a half, Katana buffering in a good battle behind these, but Star Witness in front of Katana. Star Witness comes away, too good for them. Star Witness took the... Sepoy under the whip, the leader. Fox Wedge is having the last launch at him. Sepoy hanging on, getting tied. Sepoy heads on and wins it from Fox Wedge. He got there by the Invincible Star at the 150, leads by a link. Formality is trying hard to pick up Invincible Star. It's Invincible Star, Merchant Navy's flashing. Invincible Star holding on, Merchant Navy throws and got up. PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. You better believe it's the greatest show, Flemington Derby Day, and not just that, huge race at Sydney, the Golden Eagle. We better have a real good look at it. Really appreciate you being a customer of our year-round carnival preview, and we're here with Vince Accardi from Daily Sexuals. Good morning, mate. Rolfie, good morning, but it's a different time frame. Absolutely. So we're recording this at 10 a.m. Thursday morning. All the information's correct as we speak. But if things change Saturday morning, of course, we'll be covering it all in the business in the in the business only podcast when we do the mini podcast. But this is the deep dive section here, so uh, it's it's going to be fantastic racing both in Melbourne and Rose Hill. If you want uh, your full uh, Sydney race speed profiles, of course, you've got to get them from Daily Sectionals. But we'll start off with the deep dive into the Golden Eagle. It's a fantastic race, Vince, and so many different angles to look at. First, just as a quick overview, how are you expecting Rose Hill to play with a little bit of rain predicted? What was that rain? Yeah, I know it doesn't no. rain in Sydney for the last six months, but there's a good race. There must be a bit of rain. Well, they say that Mr. Valandi's God. 
And he yeah. said, no rain over the over this period, please. That's it. That's it. <laughs> well, okay. Right now I've taken the position that we're working on a good track, right? Yeah. In terms of where's the best place to be, well, with this race specifically, fast-paced race, probably the worst spot would be part of the lead pack. Yes. In terms of the lanes, it is a challenge. Realistically, if you could be sort of two to six off the fence, that'd be a great place to be at Rose Hill. Or you've got to get a lot deeper than 12 off the fence, which could happen in these big fields. It's very, very possible. So there's two lines of attack closest to the fence, stalking the lead speed, preferably myself. When there's fast run races, you've got to be around three to six, three to eight off the lead back. And you've got those inside four or five lanes you can work with. Or get to the middle of the track. So when you say you're expecting fast pace and we've got a big field here, there's, uh, what is it, uh, 18 runners plus, is it 18 runners plus emergency? Better check on that. It's either 18 or 20. But um, while, while, I'm, while I'm checking on that, uh, just what type of pace when you're saying you're expecting good pace? Yeah, well, it says 20, no emergencies. That's right, yeah. Oh, not Nothing slower than plus three. More like plus three, six, seven range. This is like real high octon octane race it's it's epson doncasters maybe a little bit of uh, cox plate pressure it's it's high and in that situation you don't want to be too far out either because everything's fatigued in the straight very very important this is why i say the golden you know handicapping rule here is it can you get your horse three to eight lengths from the lead pack can you be in that position because that's going to be the optimum spot all right, so there's some different form here. So before we have a look at the favourites and the locally known, of course, uh, customers of, uh, of ours here want, want your take on uh, on what you've been able to gather from the clock of these overseas performers. So firstly, the Japanese runner, Obama Bromai. I'm not even going to attempt it. I'm sure you're not. Let's go just call it Obama. Number 12. <laughs> what type of talent level have you got for this horse? I love that that you said that. Well, <laughs> well I know if I don't get it, you don't. I'll just say number 12, thank you. I'm not going to pretend I'm some uh, scholar when it comes to, you know, language in that that fact anyway. No, no, Ralphie. Performance-wise, this is a horse that's very, very serious racehorse. Just the last run at Tokyo was a plus 3.4. Now, when I look at its footprint, it's had two performances, one on the 15th of April at at a mile where it went 5.2. And the other run was on the 5th of November, Tokyo, 2022, 5.4. Now, either side of that, the runs have been around that benchmark plus one range. What I do really like about this horse is it absolutely has the capacity of running plus five or better. That is where I'm really looking for from an international runner's point of view. Do you show any of that capability? Because if you do, I want to know about you. I watch the replays. Vince, he's a horse who can sort of uh, sit roughly midfield. I, I think that would be fair to say. But, of course, that I'm just looking at the eye when, you, when you're when you saying that on the clock. That pretty much tells you he's every chance of getting the golden run from that uh, barrier too. Well, that's what I'm hoping for because I have pegged him sort of midfield back. Yep. And the reality is it's all about can he get himself in that right position and that all gets back down to the rider. If the rider's able to make that happen, and I'm not saying that why, why can't Parr make that happen. It, there's yeah. every possibility he can. And he's, he's probably drawn to do that. I just hope he doesn't go back to last, that's all. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, not quite different form, but we'll say different form as far as uh, as far as uh, at, at present. Legato from New Zealand won, of course, the Australian Guineas in the in the autumn. It was a, it was a nice performance. Wouldn't think it was a superstar performance. Certainly not in the clock. Plus one length above benchmark. Beat attrition, who's in this race and has since gone on to win the Turek. So uh, shown that sort of elevation required. Um, First up at Hastings, uh, the the leader got away from uh, from her, but then was pretty strong last week again. To the last start rather to the eye. What's the clock been able to tell you on her return? Yeah, well, last start was an improvement on the first up run and ended up producing 0.5 below benchmark. So not a lot to scream about. Overall, though, 13th best performance of the day. And when I look at the breakdown of the race, first section, five lengths below benchmark. Good move between the 8 and the 400 going plus 2.2. Overall, last 400, plus 1.6. Probably the most significant part for me is this, Ralphie. The horse did lose around 1.2 lengths of conditioning over the last 200 metres, giving a real clear signal that this horse is definitely set to, at the bare minimum, run to its last preparation campaign, which is around that 1.1 range. I guess the challenge for me is, can this horse improve another two or three? There's nothing in the data that sort of says to me that you can't, because even when you look at, when I look at the the performance going back all the way to the 26th of December in New Zealand, there was a case where I could see that that, overall performance of 1.1 could have been around plus two and then if we sort of look at more recent times like that Flemington run when it came to Australia that run was a plus one with a 1.7 length slowdown between the four and the two so I am taking a position that this horse has got the capacity to go around that plus three range not sure if it can go plus five because I really do feel Plus five is going to get you on the podium. All right. So let's go in market order here. So Hawaii 5.0 looks the real emerging type. It's only uh, – it's it's this is actually its first full prep with uh, with Waterhouse Bot. bot I think it uh, – yeah, it did. It, it transferred there for and uh, in, in at uh, to the Kenzo meeting in March. The blinkers went on, started winning, looked really impressive. This time in, qualified for the Everest and was sound in the Everest. Now, can it do it at 1,400 at the type of level that you're predicting? Well – what we do know is this. Last campaigns, its best performances were at 1,400. Yeah. Around that 1.4 range. This horse has come back, in my view, a better racehorse. And now, for the first time, is getting up to its distance range. The, the challenge will be, can it bring that plus 3.7 or better to 1,400? So I'm sitting here. It's got the right stable. Everything sort of points to give the indication that why not? Yep. Why not go to that level? It'll be just a matter of whether the Japanese horse and one other runner doesn't run to their best. Yep. Then all of a sudden, the next level's plus three to plus four range, right? And yep. this would put this horse probably one of the top two or three horses from that pack. See, you, you get why it's favourite, I suppose, is probably a, a fair way of saying it. As far as uh, sorry, you get why it's deep in the market, not necessarily favourite, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, right. I, I do get why it's deep in the market. It's got a lot of things to like about it, and it's all going to get back down to are two other horses going to turn up or not? Exactly. So one of those is obviously Amelia's Jewel. Now, Vince, this time last year we were doing the podcast and we were talking about a phenomenal performance of I Wish I Win at Sandown AFL Grand Final Weekend. That was on the Sunday, but was then flat 
beaten favourite in the Turak. <laughs> and he's rebounded hard, won the won the big golden ticket this this race last year, just beating Fangirl, awesome form. And uh, and we almost got the same story here with Amelia's Jewel. Phenomenal on grand final weekend, except it was at Mooney Valley on the Friday night. Flat was favourite in the Turak. What's your expectation levels of a rebound? Well, the reality is this. If it repeats what it did at the Valley, yep, 5.8, then we've got our winner. Like the Japanese horse is the only horse that stands in its way. Nice. And that's the reality because these two horses have got a good, genuine one and a half to two lengths on the field. Without even, it's not even a maybe. It's they've rock solid, superior horses. The question, of course, is with Amelia's Jewel going to Sydney first time, has the horse fully recovered from the run before? My view is absolutely. It should have definitely recovered from the flat line run. It's got a golden draw and looks perfectly positioned to be racing somewhere in that midfield pack from where it's drawn. I'd say it's highly unlikely they're going to go back to the back of the field, but this will be plenty of pressure, and you wouldn't want to be back, Ralphie. You wouldn't want to be back to like what we've seen in Western Australia with this horse. If this horse runs to that sort of strategy, then it's probably bad news for the horse because it's going to be too far back, but... I don't see any reason, based on what we've seen in Victoria, why this horse wouldn't be in a positive position somewhere inside that golden zone, maybe six to eight lengths from the lead pack. I often think barrier, wide barriers rather are overrated as a negative. In fact, often they can be a positive, but I wanted to include Kovalika deep in my chances, but I think on this occasion it's not a good thing to be drawn where he is. They almost have to concede and concede big time. What type of mid-race has he been producing? And do you agree that that's going to be its, maybe its biggest challenge, just too far back off a, off a potentially insane speed? Well, that's the challenge. The beauty is this, though. It is 21 days between runs, a chance to keep a little bit of freshness in the legs. Yep. There is this possibility, if we go all the way back to Eagle Farm last campaign, that the horse can run at a speed of around four lengths below benchmark. That's got to be the target to be yep. running at that speed. That will get you in the back part of the field anyway. But if it's running to the profile of the last two or three runs, then you are going to be too far back regardless of what you do, right? The way this horse has moved in the mid-race, you only got to look at Ramwick two starts back. That was phenomenal. Almost a 20-length mid-race squeeze. The combined last eight, 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 800 metres was a 15.9 lengths, which is just unbelievable like that is elite level racing even though this horse hasn't posted a high ivr figure like its best figure at the moment sits 2.1 from that ramwick race but the reality is when you can produce that sustained speed from the 800 home and you can have this phenomenal mid-race speed about you like the exertion was outstanding you know that this horse can go better than that just from my internal projections, the way I've sort of scored the horse and sort of brought some insight, like, A, just going through the racing analytics platform, having a look at the matrix and seeing where this horse could end up, I'm taking a position that probably around that 3, plus 3, plus 3.5 range would be realistic yep. and not impossible to go beyond that. But you're going to need a ton of luck, right? Yep. And if you're 15 off them, you won't be winning. <laughs> That's it. But I'll, I'll just say one point about it, and this is outside of the data, but it's just want to document for, for our customers to have a think about. 
Both the Everest and the Cox Plate, the first three home, were all set for that grand final from the time they walked into the stable. I think amongst the favourites, this is one horse who was set for the Golden Eagle full stop from the time he walked into the stable by Mr Waller. No doubt, when I've gone through the form, I see four or five horses that have that pattern. Mind yeah. you, I also see that with Amelia's Jewel. You don't think it was the Cox Plate or? No, no, no. I, I, I believe the original tension was that. They just probably got a bit more excited when it produced <laughs> that outstanding performance. I mean, let's think about it. There's so much money on the table. That would have had to be their starting point. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll finish with one more just because, again, it's a sort of a Waller runner and we'll get to the Waller. Well, mm-hmm. Melbourne runners, obviously. The, the the Melbourne stable aren't going as well as the Sydney stable. And here, Ossipenko back at uh, at Ranwick had a little jump out, had, uh, had things against it at times in Melbourne, was showing a little bit. And uh, and now, uh, the blinker's first time. Uh, can this see a big PB tomorrow with a likely golden uh, position? Well, first and foremost, you have to sort of sit and say to yourself, well, that blinker strategy is a very significant one, mm. very, especially from this stable. And you don't have to go too far back. Rose Hill, last campaign, 18th of the 3rd, 23rd, Animo, Fangirl. Of course, Artorius. And mind you, there's there another horse in there called Communist. It's pretty uh, – like it's a huge price where that horse sort of – they all finish together, right? Yeah. So you know this is a very capable runner. That profile is around that 3.2 range. And again – Ralphie, and I can't be any clearer than this. This is all about and predicated around that if the Japanese horse and Amelia's Jewel don't run to their optimum, this is the next group of horses. And Ozapenko is a – like if those two horses were in the race, I'd have this horse hard in the market top three. Yep. Okay, well, there's the clarity there. We'll um, we'll talk business Saturday morning if there's anything to add. But uh, it's nice and simple with you that uh, you've got the two horses here, Amelia's Jewels mid-fours, and uh, Obama, we'll call him number 12, is about $10. So that's a huge price regard- in, in comparison to what you're saying his talent level is. Well, the Japanese horse is 100% miles overs, right? He should be equal favourite with Amelia's Jewel. Yep. That's where well, it should be. It should be $4. <laughs> All right. That's a, it's a nice, simple statement. Let's have a look at Flemington. Again, a little bit of rain about, not much. I'm just taking the position that Flemington will play perfectly because that's what Liam O'Keefe keeps producing. What's your thoughts, Fitz? Well, of course. You know, we, we've got the golden weather, and even though Volandis might not control Victoria, the gods are saying things are going to be good cup week, right? Yeah. So why not? I'm taking the same position. Liam O'Keefe's sensational with his track preparation, and I expect nothing less, and we, we should have the optimum ground to work with. All right. Uh, we'll go in uh, quite in quarty order because it's uh, they're, they're three group ones in a row, mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll start with race six. The Coolmore up the straight. Um, what type of speed pro, pro – uh, what's your speed – a forecast here, uh, reasonably big field, reasonably big field, but often in these straight races they can bunch up, bunch up, split, yep, middle to the to the right. Where are we going? All these <laughs> things are going to play a role. When I looked at the lead horses and where they're drawn, the whole lead pack's drawn like on the inside lane six, seven, well five, six, seven. There it is, right? So. That sort of gives me the inside. Well, they're not going to the outside. At best, they're going to go up the middle of the track, which is what I assume should happen. If you go to the inside, 
they tend to run a little bit faster, Rolf, in big fields. If they go to the middle, that's usually the slowest pace. Now, this, if I'm working off the slowest pace, that's still going to be benchmark plus two, plus three. Yep. If they roll to the inside, we're going to be going at least plus two to plus four. And if they swing to the outside, then we could be going, like, very fast, plus three to six range. Yep. So I'm not forecasting a slow race regardless. There's going to be good tempo, and this should be ideal for the midfielders. And, oh, I'm not saying not the back markers, but definitely the midfielders. This uh, it, it, it seems Melbourne form versus Sydney form, I suppose, it regularly is here. And the, the starting point will we'll, we'll begin with the favourite cylinder who, uh, who really had, had its grand final uh um, forecast for the um, golden e- uh, golden rose rather two starts back. Uh, Gallant stuck three wide throughout in Blinkers first time, then went back to the Everest. Very very good again. Blinkers come off. Now little query here, Vince, is the starting point for you, for your discussion on uh, his talent level and, and but more importantly what you're forecasting here. We're almost looking at Jackano from last year. Now Jackano won the golden uh, won the golden rose, but they. Couldn't resist the good money, and fair enough, in the Everest. And then you said in this race, I think the speed is a chance the speed's out of his legs, and in secret smashed it. Now, uh, different camp, different situation, different horse, but what's your thoughts as far as the tight price with cylinder? or well, not tight, I suppose about $4 range. Well, I'm actually excited that there'll be a bit of speed out of the horse. Right. Really excited because there's no chance of you being part of the, the uh, forward, you know, leading to the three-length mark. That's I, I actually feel that's a little bit of a negative. You probably really and truly want to be, the closest you want to be is three lengths from the pack, and ideally six lengths from the lead is gold, right? So speed out, legs blinkers off, he relaxes. Yeah, and if he relaxes and he can be travelling through the first section around minus one, minus three range, that keeps him in the strike zone. <laughs> and this horse's straight line speed is awesome. It is awesome. Have a look, Ralphie. When it went minus four Rose Hill on the 9th of the 9th, that last 400 was straight line speed virtually, 7.3 above the standard for that track. Well, it was all the last 200 too, wasn't it, when it got out? Yeah, and then you have a look at Ramwick last start. Not only did it show excellent sustained speed of plus 4.6 over the last 400 metres. But you look at the grit the horse had over the last 800 metres. It was virtually in the plus 10 range. That's a good sign of an elite horse, particularly when you're coming off a early race shape of almost benchmark. I mean, the horse was travelling one length below benchmark for the first 400 metres and then was able to rip with that sort of sustained speed. It was entitled to sort of give out last little bit and that was because of the high pressure yep. all the way through. This is perfect for this sort of race. In fact, this horse should be coming into this race saying, it's probably going to be easy for me. As in race shape wise? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the other horse you got in your most advantage or as far as your top two is concerned is King's Gambit. Talk about straight line speed. What did he do last start? Well, this is another horse. Well, I guess seeing is believing, isn't it? Wow. I mean, 9.5 above the benchmark last 400. That was electric. Now, it was off a much softer race shape, Ralphie. 10 lengths below benchmark first section. But the combined speed is what I'm looking at here. Just simply awesome. 3.5 above between the 8 and the 4 and 9.5 last 400. 
that is overall about a length stronger than cylinder, but mind you, off a much slower race shape. So I do expect that to be tempered a little bit. What I'm hoping for is that this horse is not travelling at that speed in this race, because if it is, you're going to be outside the zone. Yep. But everything sort of points to a peaking run coming, and in my view, absolutely should be, you know, fighting for favouritism. So he's eight dollars now. Um, I, I suspect the markets, well, maybe the early market. Uh, we're, of course, we're speaking on Thursday here. Um, is trashing its performance at Flemington first up? You know, straight form and straight form is a real thing. But he over raced and he was leading. He won't be leading tomorrow. And Mark Zara on who uh, rode him in the Golden Slipper. Uh, I think he's just going to flop him uh, wherever he can, just get a little bit of cover. And he's, he's in obviously such electric form, Mark Zara at the moment. Oh yeah, but the but this is where we've got to also take the blinkers off you know, about like you look at Fleming, yeah look yeah. looking at Flemington in isolation as yes. an example right? this horse has improved lengths from that run there's no <laughs> way the horse was anywhere in the same shape first up to second up forget about the tracks it's just it's a it's just a massive difference yes yeah for sure wouldn't right. be worrying about that at all well, of course, Shinzo beat him in the Golden Slipper. Uh, if it was a trend line, <laughs> he's, he's winning this because, of course, he was uh, he was very very played in the in the Golden Rose. It was a bit of a head scratcher what he was doing there, as far as first up was concerned. Uh, maybe he just had a bad day or whatever, but he he did improve significantly into the Everest. So, uh, like I said, uh, trend line is, is the trends his, his friend. I don't like seeing synthetic hoof filler on first time, but it seems like, and it's the same uh, ownership, uh, a home affairs type target for this uh, for this race from Chris Waller. Well, the beauty is this: usually with the synthetic synthetic hoof filler, it just means that they don't really lose any work. Yep, the, the horse is still working as per normal. This is from what I've been told over the years, so that's a positive. Now, of course, there was some challenges about the horse and the lameness earlier on but I just felt that last start even going into that race and I know that there's Waller you know giving it a barrier trial everything sort of still pointed that he was a half run behind and what we seen was we seen an overall effort of plus 2.2 this was at Randwick last start 19th best of the day excellent improvement from its first up run a plus one and this horse is at least at the worst case scenario, trending to last campaigns, two point six performance, which was on the eighteenth of the third. Yeah, so, the golden slipper. Yeah. yeah, so it's trending at least to that. And do you have another length? Well, I mean, who's to say that it doesn't? <laughs> Absolutely. Couple, couple at odds. One, one you've got in your, in your race speed profiles. Mm-hmm. One you haven't, and they're both on paces. And you've said that, that that's a challenge, but. Osmosis, and even at $41, I can't not mention it, Butch Cassidy. So just give us those two Sydney form relative to here. Yeah, well, firstly, Osmosis. Hard to sort of knock that run last start. I thought it had a lot of merit. It was good performance, two lengths below benchmark first section. Love the way it finished over the last 400, going 5.3 above the IVR benchmark. The, the performance was slightly behind the Rose Hill run, Yep. No real reason for that other than is there a possibility that this particular runner is better suited over 1,100 as a 12? I'm sort of sitting here saying, no, I just feel this horse is evolving and still finding 
its true potential. The only downside is in this race is I just feel that if you're part of the league group, you're in a lot of trouble. Like you're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Unless fair. they can be in the middle of the track and they're absolutely slowing the competition right down to below benchmark, I just feel that's the wrong place to be. Now, the other one, Butch Cassidy. Hmm. Interesting. Initially, I had that horse right up there, Ralphie, and like as, as, as a threat in the yep. race and, and could still be a threat. But my challenge was this. I just feel this horse has made the oh, – you know, how can you knock Waterhouse, right? But I just, <laughs> I just feel like just looking at the profile of the horse and what it did, you would feel that the 1,400's better than the 12. Now, it is 42 days between runs, right? So they may be able to get all that freshness back and we could see it, but it runs like a horse that needs distance, right? Yeah. So that's the only reason why – from not having it up in the top four to having it outside of the top four, that's the only reason. Not class-wise, definitely up to this field. All right. Well, it sounds like as an overview, though, you're very confident this is this is Sydney form. Has <laughs> got a fair bet on the locals. Well, I expect the one of the top three on the grid to win. Yep. Cylinder, Kings Gambit, Shinzo. We'll yep. talk business Saturday morning. Uh, the derby itself. Oh, wow, we've been. <laughs> I'd love to tell a story about uh, about what, what a great race it is. That uh, I reckon nine of these they couldn't win if they were shot out of a cannon. Thoughts? <laughs> it looks like it'll be at average speed, is what you're forecasting here. Apulia, huge mid race chasing Riff Rocket and the market, the uh, absolute total avalanche last week when it was on the quick backup at at Mooney Valley. Now. A bit of a fundamental here, probably worth backing the truck over here. You've always said three-year-old Colts can cope. Yeah, they can. They can absolutely cope, and there's no reason why this one can't. Yep. All right. So Riff Rocket uh, is is tight favourite. Uh, just missed, of course, against Sunsets in a in a. Well, what what, what meat and the bones can you can you give our, our uh, customers about how slow that race shape was before the dash home? Yeah, this is probably the big negative, right? Was yeah, they're travel. It's travelling seventeen point four lengths below benchmark. Through the first section, that's it, it's uh, hurdle races sixteen twenty four <laughs> below benchmarks like normal. Yep. So that's where we're at. We're hurdle speed. That's the reality. The mid race was beautiful. Of course, it was a stunning last four hundred meters, a plus seven point three. But here's the the insight: if you go back just one run to Flemington, the horse is going ten lengths faster. And virtually has the same last 400 metres. So that teaches you a lot about the horse. So this horse has a level of capacity in terms of acceleration. Yep. And if you then go real slow, you actually disadvantage the horse. So if they've got a a strategy here, which I don't believe is going to be the case, but if it was, and we're all out there jogging 15, 25 lengths below benchmark, well then Riff Rocket might as well not be the favourite. Might as well be 10 to 1. But if they're running more orderly around that, let's say, minus five range to 10 range, it's more orderly, then all of a sudden, this is great for this horse because you know it's got great sustained speed, it's got a good level of acceleration, and when it counts, it's probably going to be able to match most horses. 
So, Apulia, on the quick back up from Mooney Valley, Verdad was favourite. To me, I, I sort of call it a pincer movement. It was at the end of the distance range of Verdad, whereas Apulia, everything says that he's just a real genuine stayer. So maybe that's Verdad's challenge to, to beat it, but it, it should be noted it was favourite over Apulia, but it was a pretty strong performance fit. So you've got Apulia on top, and the market's got uh, Riff Rocket, you know, low twos, Apulia about fours. Gee, I think place on sides is not a bad play for Apulia. And what's your, what are you thinking well, at the moment? You have to be thinking that. You've just right. got to be. I mean, what it did at the Valley, a couple of key data indicators. The first one's this. Caulfield, 2,000 metres, two starts back on the 21st of October. 20 lengths below benchmark first section. Now, the overall last 400 that day was plus six. Probably not as good as Riff Rothgut, right? Yeah. But then, this is what I loved. Last start, it went 2.2 lengths below benchmark. Massive improvement in early speed. This, from a conditioning point of view, is sensational. Like, what that will do to the aerobic capacity of this horse is going to be awesome. And then the last two sections were both above benchmark, which, again, sort of gives me the signal that this horse has come to the top at the right time. And the 2,500 metres... It's usually not about who gets the distance best. It's usually who's the classiest horse, generally speaking. But in this case, with this horse, I feel this horse looks like it's going to be just sensational at this distance. It's hard to knock. Yeah, <laughs> hard to knock. So the other ones you got in your most advantage at this stage. So you got, you got three others. Verdad, we've touched on sunsets. I suppose we touched on because it, it led throughout against Riff Rocket and Gold Bullion for a bit of uh, different form there. Yeah, well, Gold Bullion. I like that run at Flemington when we go back to the 24th September. That had a lot of merit. There was It probably did showcase the better side of the horse. I felt that last start and even, uh, well, most importantly, the last start, it's just too slow. Yeah. That pace is too slow. Surely it's going to be a better pace, but it's not going to be anything frantic, but it should be a better pace. Well, the tongue tie goes on, so I dare say it might have been a little breathing thing. And what does what the what what Waterhouse bot team say to say in big races? Just go, go forward and find out. Yeah, well, that's what will happen. <laughs> exactly. All right, so that, that's our summary there. Apulia, very, very, very good chance, and uh, and particularly at the market is second favourite. The Maya, this this could be the, the, the race of the carnival, you know, Melbourne Cup aside, because it's always in its own island, the Melbourne Cup. This could be the race of the four-day carnival, Vince. Gee, I think this is competitive. I, I, I couldn't, gun to the head, rule out any runner, unlike the Derby. And uh, and, and there's some, some real talent, and you always uh, try and put through the lens of trainers' intent as well. Big field, 16 runners. What's your forecast speed here? Well, it should be solid. Yeah. <laughs> Prior to Jenny, right, that should be. And, and deny knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> And and you and you also know that this horse can cope. That's this is a bit of an iron horse. This it's certainly divided. This is so pretty Jenny. Yeah, this is remarkable odds. This horse. So I just want to pack the truck up and ask you more. We've just we've just spoken about Amelia's duel in the Golden Eagle and how good it was at Mooney Valley. So. Isn't it the same dynamic? This was flat as the proverbial uh, Carter's hat at, uh, at at Caulfield in the Group One. Everything says it can rebound. Now, if it rebounds, what type of performance can he can she do? Well, yes. Well, that'd be a plus five and wins the race. Right. Well, that's not bad for a nineteen dollar shot or twenty dollar, whatever. No, it is, no. It? But th- this will be pressure up front. Yep. So that you know gives you've got to take that into consideration. In other words. Yes, it can, it can be leading up front, but maybe not controlling it completely under its own steam because there'll be pressure around it. And obviously this horse 
has a tendency like to want to use that energy around it and go faster. So I sort of pinned it and said, okay, well, if you can run to Rose Hill last campaign, and I felt this was the real line of fit where it ran 3.5 above, beaten by how much? A lip. And have yep. a look at the competition that day. Espiona. <laughs> Is that enough? <laughs> Absolutely. And Is that enough? Well, here's another thing too. Hope in your heart. 2.9 lengths fourth, and hoping your heart's one of the favourites tomorrow. So that, that's that's a bit of an insight there too. Yeah, and it's and we know this stable's fantastic. Yep. So I'm just sitting here saying, you've de- definitely demonstrated to me that even with your some of your most brutal performances like last, what was it, back in April when it went yep. 20, nearly 24 lengths above <laughs> benchmark, it was definitely wanting to beat Bo, Bo Rogue's record for sure, for fast speed, right? Yep. Amongst a couple of other great horses that like to lead, <laughs> and here we are. You know, I don't think the horse is going to go anywhere near that speed, right? Uh, I don't know, Ralphie. I don't know why it's uh, like even why it's double digits. I, I honestly don't know. I have yeah. no idea. I'm not a very good judge, obviously, when it comes to <laughs> scoring horses' prices because to me that looks completely wrong. All right, so you've got that third in your most advantage. Let's start with the two Wallow horses in, in a tissue and Princess Grace. Um, now, a tissue, I know you look at every race in isolation, but I am saying many times uh, a 2,000 horse wins a Fleming and Mile, and a Randwick Mile for that matter, but we're looking obviously at a Fleming and Mile here. She hasn't had a 2,000 run this time in, but she was fantastic here last spring, Melbourne Cup week, when uh, when winning the 2,000 after coming, coming fifth in this race. And finding a little bit of traffic, James McDonald, that time that she won, that was his only other rod in her to date. So <laughs> that's a little bit of a positive there. She comes into the race. Sorry, she has ridden her one other time. I'll just double-check my records there. But she's obviously a clear talent. Uh, in an open race, uh, she seems like a pretty faultless type of runner. Yeah, well, this is another runner that I, I sort of find surprising. I'm not surprised that it's hard in the market, but I'm just surprised that – that why this horse maybe shouldn't be the outright favourite, right? Yes. Uh, who, who's actually favourite? A Rota Ataki, is it? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Princess Grace and a tissue around about the $6, but alcohol-free is in the market as well. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I just love the way this horse is profiling into this race. Everything sort of points like peakness is coming. First up, one length above benchmark. I just have to look at that last 400 metres, plus 8.3, giving a clear signal that this horse is in for a big campaign. And even the early speed that day, Ralph, it was around 4.9 lengths below benchmark. Then second up, went to Rose Hill over 1,400 metres, up that 200 metres, lost a fair bit of speed early, went 7.4 lengths below benchmark. I attributed that firstly to really feeling the effects of that first up run, but... That last 800 metres, three lengths above between the eight and the four, plus 7.3 last 400. Absolutely outstanding. No surprise, up to the mile, that speed's gone. So don't expect the speed to be back here, but it's the 21 days. It Now, if it goes 10 lengths below benchmark and the others are going plus 10, does that help the horse or not? Generally speaking, when you look at, this type of setup, the horse will be asked to go faster. Yeah, And I did go looking to see, have you been able to do that in the past? And I didn't have to go back that far, Ralphie. You just go back to December 22. <laughs> it was, it, the start before was Ballarat 2000, right? Yep. Start after, there it is. Ramwick, mile, 
First section, 0.3 above benchmark. Look what it did over the last two sections. 6.2 above between the 8 and the 4, 3.3 above last 400. So it just says, J-Mac, you've got your ideal horse. You could almost do whatever you need to do to be in the right position. Uh, I was only laughing because uh, it was a sad laugh because I was on, on that, that day. It was in the Ingham. It was a very high-class Randwick mile, and that's that was the first time they put the really big money up for grabs. It was $2 million up for grabs, and she ran enormous there in that three-way finish there. So the other horse is Princess Grace that you've got in your most advantage here. And I suppose one thing you know I was keen to point out when we did this preview podcast last start, as good as she was, given she was odds on, she had come off slow tempo races. So last start, it seemed like the big race-to-race elevation of early speed undid her a bit. Does that mean she's got more to come? It did affect her, didn't it? Yeah. It really, really did affect her. It surprised me a little bit, but it was the first time the horse had gone that fast, and it was 1.3 lengths below benchmark. Now, that's not real fast when we've looked at speed in the past of so many horses, right? Yeah. But it's close enough, near benchmark. How much was the impact of the slight slowing between the eight and four? I'm going to say nothing, right? I'm going to say it shouldn't have impacted you at all. And then the finish was even, right? Now, it was a hard day to run fast in the home straight. So I've got to take that into perspective. And the overall performance was still top 16 for the day. Back to the mile, what does that mean? Well, we're not going to have a slow run race here. No, no, and there's no, yeah, and I don't believe this horse is going to be able to hold that speed. Yep. And did we see the peaking run last start? Yes. It just feels like to me the Waller got this horse ready very early. Whereas hope in your heart, it's almost, uh, I'm sure it was this time last year, Ice Bath won this race and probably a similar type of profile to Ice Bath. Like it gets back, but it's it smashes the line. Might have to duck and weave. Tim Clark might have to weave a bit of magic from uh, from Barrier 1, but it's it, it's a genuine talent and it's such a consistent horse. Yeah, it's, it's the horse on the rise. Yep. A bit like a tissue coming to its peak right at the right time. That performance last start, Yes, it was 0.2 below benchmark. Overall ranking on the day was fairly low, 62. But you just got to look. The 8.4, 8.9 lengths below benchmark first section, massive negative. Everything else was perfect. Last 400, 8.2 lengths faster than standard. I look at the history of the horse. That's about as fast as it can go, which is fantastic. So then what I look for is this. Show me a race where you've travelled well and had a solid performance when there's been a lot more speed. And that's really what I'm looking for. And I didn't have to go too far back with this horse either, Ralphie, to yeah. see that. And there's been a, there's been probably a couple of instances where this horse is, firstly, if they overextend and they're going like plus six, that was a negative. You go back to March 2023, Rose Hill, 1500. That was a negative. But if I go back a little bit further and just look for those runs where the horse is travelling more like benchmark, plus one range, there's two runs that jump out. One was that Rose Hill run where it got beaten 1.3, which we just touched on. Yep. That horse was travelling two and a half lengths above benchmark. Had that horse travelled maybe a length, two lengths slower, I actually feel that that horse may have been able to win. Right. Big chance the horse is going to be in this race. I don't know. Tim Clark is a is a is a he's an interesting rider. He can make mistakes a bit more often than the others. But here, I don't feel he, he should make if he just picks the right horse to follow, 
and doesn't overextend. In other words, doesn't get too excited. Like if he feels he's a length or two too far back, like you don't have to be four or five lengths from him. You can be six, seven, eight from him and still win this race. So if they've got that sort of mindset, then the chance is there to win. But it's ready. It's ready. Okay. A couple quickly at odds that I'll ask you and one that's in the market that I don't like. So a couple at odds that I like. I mentioned about the 2000 profile and back to a a mile. The best of hinged, uh, surely it would be in the finish. And so is there a chance that she can produce it? She's got animo form. Yeah, I... I had a good look at this run, and I'm just asking myself the question, are you the same horse this time in? Yeah. yeah that's, that's all. Yep. That's all I'm saying. And I, personally, I just thought it was a little bit of a negative going to 1,900 now back to the mile, right? Just with – like, and he's given it the 28 days. I'm not sure, you know, what the game plan is. But, of course, on its best day, it's absolutely a chance, right? But like everything – you know, where do I cut the line? <laughs> where do I cut the line? The second horse I want to ask you about at odds is Renaissance Woman. Uh, interesting horse of Beyond, Blake, Beyond Bakers. Showed a little bit as a, as a three-year-old filly. It seems a stronger horse this time in. What's your thoughts there? Well, three runs in, this campaign have all been solid and it's kept improving, right? Yep. You have a look. First up, 1.6 lengths below benchmark. That was Randwick Mile. Then second up, it went a length above benchmark when winning the group three race over a mile. And then last start, up to the 1,800, pretty much holding its line early speed-wise, but it was just phenomenal. Third best of the day, plus 1.7. Now, I don't mind when a horse has that type of setup coming back 200 metres and you're in the right form. Yes. Now, the question is, do you have another couple of lengths that you can find? That's the question, Mark. Do you actually have two more lengths, yes or no? So I sit in and say, maybe, maybe. In fact, in fact, there's two in the market we haven't touched on. So just firstly, alcohol-free. Well, I, if I'm looking at on-pace runners, who do I want to be with? I've got to be with <laughs> I've got to be with the best of the on-paces. So on-pace runners, prior to Jenny, alcohol-free, Denny Knowledge, right? Yep. Maybe the 14, Wishlaw Lass, all part of that pack. Right? Out of them. The, the clear standout is prior to Jenny. I don't want to be on the other leaders. Well, that saves me talk about Whistle or Lass. So there yep. you go. So that that's nice and easy. Yeah. All right. So in summary then, you, you're very clear. Your tissue's right deep in this race, but uh, uh, crazy odds prior to Jenny is, as far as a bit of a summation here before we talk business on Saturday. Well, right now on the early observations, it's probably one of the best horses at that price I've seen in a little while. I mean, really, Ralph, <laughs> why isn't this horse 5 or $6? I don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe the horse has got a virus or it's got some injury and we don't know about it and they're going to scratch it. That's all I can say. Well, all I can say is this time 12 months ago we were talking about uh, the flat runs set up for uh, I Wish I Win. So a lot of people aren't onto the flat runs set up. So it's, yep. it's something you can put it, put, it, put in your favour at times. All right, we're going to go above, above benchmark, touch on all these races, but then uh, talk business if if, if, uh, if required on Saturday uh, Saturday morning. So the last race here, last leg of the quaddy, uh, the favourite for the race, uh, we've got the, uh, the Cummings duo here in the uh, Tamerlane and Valana. Tamerlane was uh, was good. This track, this distance, always a nice tick, but uh, Valana's got a fair bit of talent, and you're, you're saying it's uh, on top at, most, at the most advantage for your early market. Munamek is splitting them. You expect him to run very well first up. 
it's a tough race. It's definitely not an easy race, and it's 1,400 metres, which can be challenging for some horses, and Tamerlane doesn't get everything like it did last start, favours wide. It got a picnic, didn't it? It did, right? It's, yeah. it, that's not going to happen here. Yep. So it's a very different setup, and if I take that away, then the horse sits pretty much in line with the race, with the exception of Valana. This is a race somewhere between plus one, Plus 1.8 out of range would be the benchmark that's needed performance-wise to get on the podium. And it's really just going to get back down to, in my view, you know, what's most likely going to happen with Valana in terms of performances? That's probably the big key, Ralphie, is can it bring that two-and-a-half range performance to 1,400 or is this horse realistically around that 1.5 range at 1,400 metres and then making a wide-open race. This is why I wanted to keep Munamek on side. I just felt this was the X-Factor horse coming onto the scene. I like its profile from Queensland. It's generally speaking from a first-up run, if I only look at last campaign, and it was off a short break, so it would have had good residual fitness, but that was a strong performance, 1.8, third best of the day. Big chance of repeating that. And I looked at the Flemington run a bit earlier than that as well, Ralphie, on the 18th of the second, over 1,400 metres when it produced the 1.3. And I looked at those. Scalopini was in very good form, biometric. They're all this sort of type of profile. Yep. So I just said, you're there, big chance, just need a good parade, but open race. $10 range there for the on-fire Blake Sheen. All right, uh, like I said, we're going to pick, it, pick up the pace here. We're 45 minutes in. So uh, the first uh, race, the Carbine Club, low moderate confidence. Uh, Brave Mead's the favourite uh, from, uh, from uh, let me just check here, uh, favourite for the race from Heeman. Uh, so a bit of a different form there. Influential. Chris Waller always targets this race. I wouldn't be surprised if KZAD gives a kick because it had a big mid-race slowdown to Caulfield too when Brave Mead beat it. So that's pretty much the market there. It looks like a race you won't be playing in. No, Ralphie, it's a race that if you can run within half a length of benchmark, you probably uh, will either win or get uh, one of the top three podium spots. The Archer, well, it used to be called Lexus, I think. So Athabaskan had an RDO last week. They wouldn't be worried about a quick backup with that horse because it, uh, it was just stuck in traffic at jog home in the Mooney Valley Cup. You've got it on top, so is the market. Uh, any uh, any thoughts here to add to well, this? I felt that this was a race between Athabaskan and probably mostly Cloudy. I didn't really feel there was many other chances in this race. It's a race that, that this is the awkward part. How yep. slow are they really going to go? Are we going to be at hurdle speed without the fences being there? Could this be run 20, 25 lengths below benchmark? That's the issue. The old invisible hurdles. <laughs> if I was running race citizen, some races we're going to have to have pacemakers. That's it. <laughs> I know people don't like that word, but I say put a pacemaker in. Let's make sure everything's honest. All right. Red card was super first up, uh, flat at Caulfield, and uh, either flat or didn't run out 1,200. Yeah, what's its chances of, uh, of rebounding here in race three? Oh, yeah. Well... 1100 out, by the way. It's one scratching the tail. Okay. Okay. Well, that's that's good to know. Well, the reality is here, this is horse has got good level of ability, Ralphie. And if it reproduces what it did at Rose Hill around that 1.8 range, then it's going to be effective here. It's all going to get back down to how well is the race controlled up front. I, I, there are four or five horses that like to be part of the lead speed. It's a smaller field. So could this be the scenario that we all roll to the middle of the track, worst-case scenario, but we're middle to the inside? If that's the case, then 
a horse like Red Card and Tim Clark, who I do see technically doing that, right? Yep. He could be extremely hard to beat under this uh, scenario, as long as he doesn't do any mid-race slowdowns at Flemington. <laughs> so he's gone from fast races at Caulfield gassing out to back to yep. 1,100 and, and a potential to control the speed on his terms. And see, the, this is the thing with this horse, why you can't have the slowdown. It's accelerations around four to five lengths over the last 400 metres. That's roughly what its acceleration is above benchmark. If you slow it down, you're going to negate that and you're going to be a sitting duck for everything else around you. And then these horses sit three to five lengths off, the pace will run you down. If not, and you just run with a cruising speed, that's probably going to be enough to hold everybody out, and you're going to be in the lanes. Nice. Race four is also up the straight here. The uh, favourites, Triple Missile. Gee, I think there's some value. And a couple of wide draw, draw runners here. Firstly, uh, I suppose what's obvious is that Najim Sahail, it's got one pace. It's fast. At least we're going to have a fast pace straight race. And uh, and starting point is, uh, for mine, the query is Spacewalk. Didn't you say that it just needs 1,200? Well, yes, for sure. Well, a couple of things. Firstly, with this Najim, how do you pronounce it? Najim Sahail. Yeah. Drawn four. What's it going to do? Go straight to these, straight to the fence. Yes, could be the lone horse in the fence. Because yep. I'd say that's the last place you want to be. Yeah, right. But if everybody just follows it there, then that'll be interesting. But it still doesn't help that horse. This will, this will definitely set it up for a few horses. Number one, who are the best stalkers? I thought Chain of Lightning would be a good stalker, and yep. then it's the next pack: Spacewalk, Triple Missile, and the Nine. Same as you. That's it. So, so you're taking the position, same as you, maybe a bit flat, end of, end of distance range, 1,400 uh, Caulfield. Of course, this time last year, it ran second to win secret. That's pretty fair form for Fleming and tracking distance, even though I was beaten two legs. I'm so happy they're back to the 1,200 here. <laughs> so at the moment, it's $11. Oh, this, is good. this has got a great big special written all over it, Vince. <laughs> oh, if I, please, Tim Clark, <laughs> you don't have to do much. Yeah. Right, he's a, he's a great rider on his day. Just be on the ball, use all the favours, track the right horse, and that'd be track. Just track chain of lightning. Yep, not That's easy. Uh, the the wakeful we finish on race five on the day. Uh, gee, the, it's the Phillies. Couldn't see a lot of overall talent, but uh, hard to sort of knock the, uh, the 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 closing speed of Zardozzi. What she showed after a complete RDO at uh, at Sandown, but uh, I've got a. Pretty confident feeling, Vince. My most confident position here is that you won't be playing in this race. It's beyond my capability, Ralphie. <laughs> I, I, I know there's a short price favourite. And so when I see that, that's already taken everything off the table. So you either like that horse or you, you, you go somewhere else or you know more than I do about trying to find who's going to be the best horse of 2000. Magnificent. All right. Well, like I said, uh, particularly if you're a first-timer and you don't know uh, what our general format is, we've gone as deep as we can in these big races that we uh, we hope we've given you some real insight and to maybe shape shape the way you're thinking. Saturday morning will be 10 minutes, maybe 15 absolute tops. Any changes uh, will factor in, but we'll be talking absolute business Saturday morning when the final edition of Vince's Race Speed Profiles come out. In the meantime, thanks so much for being a customer of Year Round Carnival. <laughs>